Thank you. Well, good morning, South Bay. Yeah, how you guys feeling this morning? All right, come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, it's so good. It's so good to be here. And yeah, thank you, Pastor Greg and Pastor Gary. I had a, um, a meeting with them and Pastor Caleb and just had a wonderful time of just connecting heart to heart and pastor to pastor. I just want to thank the elders uh, just for allowing me to come and just kind of exhort and share God's word with, with the body here. And I'm just glad to see you guys. I'm glad to see you guys here present in the house of the Lord. Doesn't it feel good to be amongst God's people, doesn't it? Amen. 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 Well, yeah, as, as Pastor uh, Greg said, I'm going to just kind of exhort you from Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, when I saw that our governor had announced that church gatherings won't resume until stage three of California's reopening plan, honestly, I was disappointed. Not because I disputed the fact that, that high-risk gatherings were a problem, but because it really underscored how low of a priority church going has become in the Western world. I mean, in California, churches are in the same reopening group as nail salons, gyms, and movie theaters. They actually allowed for liquor stores and marijuana dispensaries and golf courses to open before churches. And in December, with ICUs that were overflowing with COVID, a judge ruled that strip clubs were essential. Now, see, up to this point, as I just kind of sat with you guys as leadership uh, at South Bay, it has been wise and it has been prudent for us to remain in a place of being quarantined. And South Bay has held fast. You guys have held fast to Romans chapter 13 that tells us to honor the governing authorities. Amen. And all of those different things that they wanted us to do, you guys have done. You as a church have held fast to Mark chapter 12. The, the greatest commandment is to love God and love your what? Love your neighbor. And you guys have loved neighbor by staying quarantined and staying at home. One of the best ways that we can love our neighbors during this pandemic. And now as the government has put us in what is called the orange tier, the leadership here at South Bay Community Church is, is now giving a clarion call for us to step into Hebrews chapter 10 and get ourselves back to church. So if you will, please turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, where we find a church that is also struggling as our government has so declared with seeing church gathering as essential. And the reason was that they too, in Hebrews here in this text, had their own pandemic. And as a result of their pandemic, verse 25 tells us that some of the members of the church were actually avoiding physical church gathering as a result. And, and so the author here in Hebrews, he, he stands forth to give compelling reasons as to why church is indeed essential. And that no matter the magnitude of your pandemic or mine, they got to get back to church. And so I want us to see three things this morning. One, what was their pandemic? And then after we see what their pandemic was, why is God calling you to get back into church even in the midst of a still lingering and dangerous pandemic? And then I want to give at the end two compelling reasons from Scripture as to why we ought to step into a Hebrews 10.25 kind of obedience as a church. So with that, let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, 
You know every individual here. God, you know every challenge that they have had over this past year. And God, I pray right now that in view of all that was and that is, that you would grant them the grace to hear your clarion call. That God, they would step into an obedient kind of a faith that trusts that what you have to say is best, no matter what the culture or their flesh or their desires are telling them. And I pray, God, that you spark a revival here. Spark a revival at South Bay of a regathering of God's people that they might engage and encounter all that you desire for them as a local church. And God, I pray, you know me, I am a man. God, I am so ill-equipped and so unable. And so God, I pray that you minister to your people, those who know you and those who don't. And will you do it not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So first let us see what was their pandemic. And what we see is the author begins to describe their pandemic. And he says in verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle. Everybody say struggle. This describes the intensity of their pandemic. That that word struggle actually can be translated as contest. It was almost as if they were in an, an, an Olympic style engagement of a challenge because of their Christian faith seen in their gathering amongst God's people as the church. Verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured. Everybody say endured. This describes the longevity of their pandemic. Basically, there felt like there was no end in sight to this church's pandemic. It was like the Energizer Bunny. It just kept going and going and going. And then verse 33, the, the author gives color to their pandemic, sometimes being publicly exposed. Everybody say publicly exposed. This pandemic was one where they were actually vulnerable to attack. There was little safety or security for this church in their pandemic. They were wide open because of their association with Christ, namely seen in their gathering with God's people on a weekly basis. He continues, publicly opposed to reproach and affliction. Everybody say reproach. Everybody say affliction. Reproach describes the verbal nature of their pandemic. I'm trying to give you a picture of their pandemic. Can you hear the jeering? Can you hear the scoffing as they walk into the marketplace? Can you see the evil eye that they received as they worked in the fields? Can you hear the subtle snickering from, from, from those who don't love Jesus, the, the, the spitting on the ground as, as the Christians walk by them? Can you feel the reproach of their pandemic? But not only that, there was affliction. And, and that describes the, the, the physical nature of their pandemic. Namely, they dealt with physical abuse. I want you to imagine right now, If after this church service, you walked out the door and you met a mob that was waiting to beat you because you came and gathered amongst God's people for the sake of Christ, would you come back next week? You see, this was their pandemic. And as colorful as it is, the author now gives even more color in verse 34. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully escaped, accepted the plundering. Everybody say plundering of your property. 
wait a minute. Because they were going to church, their property was being plundered and they were being put in prison. They would come home from church and not have a home. They would walk out of the door ready to go to work and, and, and the wife would kiss the husband and the husband would kiss the wife and, and, and they would kiss the, the children. And, and, and the reason they did that is because they realized that the moment they walked out that door, that might be the last time they see one another for quite some time. Because the authorities may realize that you went to church that week, and because you went to church that week, we're going to round you up and put you in prison because you associate yourself with Christ. Can you feel their pandemic? They were losing their very livelihood, their very freedom, their very dignity, their very safety, their very security all because they were going to church. I need you to feel the weight of their pandemic. And yet, in view of all of those potential and real dangers and real loss, God says to this church in verse 25, don't stop going to church. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Do you realize what that means for me and my family? I want to ask you, how does your pandemic compare to theirs? What is the weight of your pandemic? All of us have had lost. Every one of us have lost something profound and great because of this pandemic. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have lost employment. Some of you are challenged on so many profound levels. And my heart breaks for you. And yet what I have to say to you from God's word today is that no matter the size of your pandemic, no matter the outcome of what this pandemic has brought, God is saying it's time to step into obedience and darken the doors once again of South Bay Community Church no matter the cost. Amen? And the question is, is why? Why would God... Call us to come to church and gather and risk so much. So I want us to see three things as to why physical church gathering is essential. And we see that in verse 22. Let us draw near. Everybody say draw near. With a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up, everybody say stir up, one another to love and good works. What the author here is telling us is without church, you will not be able to draw near, hold fast, and stir up in the way God intends you to love and good works. You see, first, you can't draw near if you're not here. Come on now. See, what is it, what, when the author says draw near, what does it mean to draw near? That can seem a little esoteric. Well, in Psalm 73, 28, this is what it means to draw near. But for me, it is good to be near God. So now he qualifies or interprets what it means to be near God. And this is it. I have made the Lord God my refuge. So to draw near is to see in God all that you need in your dark moment. 
It is to put your faith in God such a way that he is your present help, that he is your satisfaction, that he is your refuge, that he is your provision, that he is all that your heart desires for, that he is the lifter of your head. And what the author is saying is a lack of church attendance will diminish your intimacy of putting faith in the God that is all satisfying for your soul. And what he's saying is this, is I need you to help me to see all of the wonderful things that God is. You see, in the shadows of this coronavirus, for so many of us, a creature has emerged. A creature has emerged from the undergrowth, and it's not a virus. As one writer writes, it's a tiger with a toothache, and it's you. What I found in this pandemic, being isolated from God's people, is that I have become more angrier than I've ever imagined. Some of you, if we're honest, you are more patient than you ever thought that you were. I mean, having all your kids at home in those four walls, parents, I feel you, I feel you. I understand, when they opened them schools up, you was like, hallelujah. (laughs) I got four kids, I got four kids, so I get it. They're older now, I got 21-year-old and 19-year-old, 2018, but they they crazy too, so. And I, I think two of them are here, they around here somewhere. Uh Oh, there they are. Yep, see, I told you they're crazy. Some of you, because of this pandemic, you've been simmering in in suicidal thoughts. Some of you have been been engaged in escape, drug abuse, alcohol, porn. Those things have been gaining a foothold in your life. Your love for God because of this pandemic, for some of us, has begun to diminish Some of us have been experiencing a joylessness. Some of us, our peace has has moved into unrest. Some of us have experienced the fact that our faithfulness to God is now in question. I know some people that are walking away are struggling with the fact of their relationship with God because of isolation. You're looking around uh, for refuge in your husband or your wife or or your employment or looking for this pandemic to end to find joy and, and your heart just isn't beating for Jesus like it once was and you feel distant from God and you feel like God is distant from you, do you realize that this happens in isolation? So first, what the author is telling us is without God's people, your intimacy with Christ will diminish. There's a second. And I'm going to go to verse 24. You cannot obey the command to stir up or be stirred up to love God and love his people at home. And let us consider, he says, how to stir up one another to love and good works. The pandemic took something else for me, and that was uh, clean teeth. I was so frustrated that I could not get into the dentist for so long. And after a year, enough was enough. I was done. I was looking at my teeth, and I did everything I could, but I just couldn't get them the way I wanted. And so I went to the church of dentistry, and, and, and I walked in. They got me an appointment, and, and when I walked in, I just I got that smell. You guys know that dentist smell? right? That super clean stench smell, right? That smell of toothpaste, Listerine, and tooth dust, right? The tooth, that, that's actually a smell. When they, when they doing that to your teeth, that's tooth dust. That, that, that has a stench. And then they sat me in the pew, the dentist chair. And then the hygienist stepped up to the pulpit, mask and all, and she starts preaching. Oh, I see you got some tartar. Well, second dentistry chapter two says you're guilty and not flossing. And I put my head down. 
I was feeling guilty. But then she lifted my head. Oh, but I got good news. And then the moment she got good news, she ripped out this packet of utensils that could pass for torture instruments. And she whipped out this tube that could suck up your face. And she started preaching to me, and, she's, and she started telling me, and the Lord said that you need to keep brushing three times a day. And I'm just, and she's telling me, are you doing okay? Are you hearing me? And I'm, I'm here, I'm like, what do you want me to say? What do you mean? I'm hearing you. you. You know how dentists, they ask you questions when they got all that stuff? Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. You got a bunch of instruments that could cut my face off in my mouth right now. And then she gave at the end of the sermon application. She told me the proper rate of brush is not like this. You got to do it like this. You got to make sure you do it like this. And then she said, you got to floss. And then lastly, I walked out of service with a gift bag. You guys like those gift bags? Oh, come on now. You know you like that gift bag, that little old toothpaste, right, with your toothbrush. You feeling happy, aren't you? And then my dentist, my dentist, he came to just check me out, right? The, 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 the head elder, right? He, he came and he kind of checked me out. And he, he was looking at my stuff. And then he started putting some music on. And, and we had to end the worship service with some music, amen? And so we put on some 90s music. And, and I started hearing it. And then, and then the hygienist started swaying like this. And then my dentist started doing like this too. And then we just busted out together. Can we talk for a minute? Girl, I want to know your name. And we started busting out. We was in there, and then it was, and then the other song came, It's Your Anniversary. And I started thinking about my wife, like, oh, yeah, girl, you know, we used to rock this song, right? And then we ended with, this is how we do it. Boom, this is, we was doing it. And I was walking out there, and everybody was worshiping, and I walked out. And what did I walk out? I walked out, stirred up for love and good works to make sure I got beautiful teeth. Amen. You see, I couldn't get that at home in the mirror. I couldn't get that at home in isolation by myself. You see, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell. That's synonymous with letting the spirit of Christ dwell. Galatians 3, 5 says, did you not receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So hearing with faith institutes the spirit of God in you. Now here's the question in Colossians 3, 16. How do I allow for the word of God, which is the spirit of God, to dwell in me? Watch, it says, teaching and admonishing. What are those two words, y'all? One another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, in order for me to be stirred up that I might have the Spirit of God in me to experience love, joy. Let me ask you this question. What would your life look like right now if you had more joy? What would your life look right now if you had more patience? How many, how many of you guys want more self-control? Watch this. You get that, according to Colossians 3.16, by teaching and admonishing one another. Meaning that what this is telling me is just like that 90s music. I was filled with the spirit of joy of holy hygiene. Watch this. What this is telling me is I can't get the spirit in the fullness that God intends without you admonishing me. You see, I can't be filled with love, joy, peace, and patience unless you're addressing me. 
I can't experience freedom and co- from condemnation and guilt unless you're singing to me. I can't get victory over that area of sin in my life without you making melody to me. I can't gain that fullness that God has for me by his spirit without you singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that are being sung to me. <clears throat> in other words, word-saturated singing in corporate gathering ushers in spirit-filled living. This, now watch this, this is a power of the Holy Spirit that you can only gain in gathering. Did you hear me? There is a measure of God's Spirit dwelling in you that can only be had in the church. I'm going to give you a third reason why church is essential. And the author tells us in verse 23, Not only does it cause us to draw near, not only does it stir us up to loving good works, but verse 23, let us hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. What he's telling us is that if we don't make church essential in our lives, we will eventually slip away from Jesus into apostasy. Apostasy means to fall away. That's what that means. And church, I need to just tell you, apostasy is real, and it is with and among us today. Apostasy is what we are seeing in the church. We've got apostate leaders, leaders who we have trusted that we're going to follow God and lead us toward God, walking away from God. There are apostate mainline denominations. The majority of our mainline denominations have walked away from the truth of what God's word says. And now, you know where we are in the history of the Western church right now? We now have apostate evangelical churches. A number of churches are now stepping into gay affirming. And you guys have heard the stories. You've seen the leaders from the Joshua Harris's to the Ravi Zacharias's to, to the Rob Bell's, uh, Abraham Piper, John Piper's son, who, who was a Christian. He's walked away. He's, he's one of the most... I think, watched TikTokers, is that how you say it, TikTok? I'm old, I don't do the TikTok thing. Um, TikTokers that there are out at this point, from the Marty Sampson to the Carl Lentz. I know of seminary graduates, men that, that I did ministry with for years, solid, knew the word of God, knew truth, walking off the precipice of apostasy. Why? Why are we seeing this movement away from the truth of what God says we ought to be in Christ? Well, you realize, if you look at the studies for the Western church, there are three things that are diminishing among us. Number one, the word is no longer believed and obeyed. The word of God, for the most part by professing Christians, is not the word of God. It's not God said it, I believe it. It's as simple as the ABCs. The other thing is prayer. Prayer is at an all-time low amongst Christians in the Western world. And the third statistic is this. Church attendance is at the lowest point it has ever been in Western culture. Oh, it's no wonder that the church is sliding down the precipice of apostasy because we've abandoned God's good and ordained gifts to sustain what is most essential for every single one of us, namely our souls. 
See, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 13 says this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So that's apostasy. Now, where's the solution? How do I not move into uh, walking into apostasy? Verse 13, but exhort, what are those two words, y'all? One another. Everybody say one another. Every day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you, purpose clause, may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So the question is, how do I keep from falling away? How do I not walk off the precipice so that I, I, I don't gain the very wonder and the beauty of the salvation that I have in Jesus? I need you to tell me all over again that God's ways are better. I need you to be here to show me in new ways that Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure. I need you here to warn me to stand in the gap in prayer for me so that I don't get caught up in Satan's tether. I need you here to help me see that the promises of sin eventually and always lead to bad weather. Without you in my face, socially distanced of course, I will be in greater danger of falling into Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 through 31. Let's read that together. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that, that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If we do not hold fast, verses 26 through 31 is our reality. That is how essential church is. Now, if you think that I'm overstating that, I want you to see at the beginning of verse 26, the little word that you probably skip when you read it, the first word there, and it's in the Greek, it's gar. It's the word for. It's an explanatory connector to verse 25. And what does verse 25 say? Not neglecting being together as is in the habit of some. In other words, what the author is saying is there is a direct correlation between going to church and falling into verses 26 through 31. And so if you don't want to fall into verses 26 through 31 over the precipice of apostasy, then get your butt back to church, church. That's what he's telling the author. That's what he's telling the church. Verses 26 to 31 is probably the most horrifying, one of the most horrifying realities in all of Scripture. The things he describes as a result of walking away from Jesus are chilling. No longer a sacrifice. Expectation of judgment. Fury of fire. A fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living and just God. And the preacher in Hebrews is saying, I don't want that for you, church. 
So please, get back to church. I want to ask you, what is the worst thing that can happen to you as a result of this pandemic? Is it bankruptcy? Is it unemployment? Is the worst thing that can happen to you the loss of a loved one? Is it cancer? Is it depression? What is the worst thing that can happen to you? I'll tell you what the worst thing that can can happen to you is verse 26, you can sin deliberately, not COVID. The worst thing that can happen to you is verse 26, you can receive the knowledge of the truth and walk away nullifying the very power of the blood of Jesus, not COVID. The worst thing that can happen to you is verse 27, a fury of fire where you find yourself in verse 31, the hands of the full vengeance and wrath of the living God, not COVID. And the surefire way that you will eventually succumb to verses 26 to 31 is rolling out of the bed in your pajamas, watching a live stream, drinking a cup of joe in your house shoes because you just didn't feel like going to church. Now there are some of you to have legitimate reasons why you have to stay at home. You got to step into Romans chapter 8, right? There is now therefore no condemnation. This isn't about guilt. But let's be honest. Some of us are at home because we just got comfortable and we just don't feel like coming out. Some of us are at home because we don't see, perhaps, church as important as we ought to. And you guys know, you guys came today that are here live, you know that we're not throwing caution to the wind, right? I mean, the safety measures that South Bay has put in have been wonderful, amen? They're good, amen? Let's give the leadership a hand clap for that. And we also know that for the majority of us, we won't die from COVID. And our government even has put orange tier in place. Schools are now open. Here's the reality. We risk what is essential. We risk what we believe to be essential. And, and again, one of the things that kind of tells on us is, is, is our social media, Instagram. Instagram be telling on y'all. Sometimes y'all need to stop posting stuff. Because when you should be at church, you're on that mammoth vacation. Oh, you're at that Dodger game. You're at that angel game, right? You're at that restaurant. If we're so comfortable to be able to do those things, why can't we come out to church, right? See, here's what the author is saying, if I can sum it up. Come to church even if your house gets looted. Come to church even if that means your financial and physical security is refuted, your integrity and good name are disputed. Come to church even if it means financial ruin, you're falsely accused and they lock you up in the clink, don't even blink. If they stand you up in front of hundreds, even thousands, scoffing and spitting, don't shriek back sitting in your living room, slipping into spiritual atrophy. Listen, the church is God-given, the bride of Christ lives for one another, and the only way you're going to draw near, hold fast, and stir up is to get up like James Brown and get down to church no matter the risk because the alternative is far worse it's soul slipping into an eternity without Christ it's not worth your eternal life you're risking so let's get on up and get back to church South Bay Community Christian my Christian 
You see, why is church essential? Because without it, we can't draw near, hold fast, and stir up. And so now I just want to give you two things that ought to compel us to step into a Hebrews 10, 25 kind of obedience. And the first one is in verse 34. Verse 34 of chapter 10. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Now, why? Why were you willing to, to do, deal with all of that as a result of going to church? Here's why. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding, abiding one. The first reason why you should come to church is because Jesus is better. And, and, and he identifies how he's better. The reason why Jesus is better is because he is an abiding one. Jesus is better because he is the only treasure in your life that you can't lose. You see, a lot of the reasons why we don't prioritize Christ is because we're looking to other things of the earth to fill us with joy, satisfaction, and pleasure. We're looking to our spouse. We're looking to our job. We're looking to our reputation. We're looking to our accolades. We're looking to food. We're looking to drugs. We're looking to sex. We're looking to all of these things outside. And some of those things are good things, but here's the reality of all of those things. They're not abiding. The reality is every single thing of the earth that we try to gain satisfaction from, we will lose. And so the author is saying, live for what you cannot lose. That just makes sense, right? Didn't Jesus say, do not lay up treasures on this earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures where? Where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. That just makes sense. And what the author is saying is, chase after what you cannot lose. And the thing that you cannot lose, that you will have for all eternity, that will fill you with more joy, satisfaction, and pleasure is Jesus Christ. So choose him, chase him, and get yourself back to church. You see, what he's saying is, is you got to go for the thing that can't be touched. I'm going to go back to the 90s, y'all. Y'all remember MC Hammer? You can't touch this. <laughs> All right. So when I point to you, I want you to say you can't touch this. When you come to church and you're looking at your job for your satisfaction, you need to say? Amen. When you come to church and you're looking at your bank account thinking it's empty, I want you to say? Amen. When you come to church and you're telling your anxieties and fears... When you come to church, you need to tell your longings in your heart, you are not better. There is a safety and satisfaction that I have in security that's worth more in Jesus Christ. And so you, when you come to church, you need to start telling the world, I'm going to come and start getting more of Jesus where I can be touched by Jesus. And so I'm going to touch somebody by being here because. So the first thing you need to realize and that you need to come is because Jesus is better. I'm going to give you the second one. And it's in verse 37. For yet a little while... And the coming one will come and will not delay. Here's the last compelling reason why you need to jump into verse 25. Not only is Jesus better, but Jesus is coming. Oh, he's coming, church. Oh, can't you feel it? He's coming. When I was a little boy, my mama used to sing this song to me. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king soon and very soon. We are going to see the king soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Sing it with me, y'all. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going. He's coming. 
Oh, he's coming. And he is worth all of life. And he is worth the church. As I close, you see, we make room for what is essential. At my church, when I shared a similar message, we had people tell us, if I'm honest, Pastor Ray, I just got used to being isolated. I just didn't feel like it was important. I just kind of got into a routine, and I got set in that routine. And that happens in isolation. When you have no one around you to challenge your thinking or your feeling or your acting, And there are some of you under the sound of my voice right now that you're dying a slow spiritual death. And you're going to look up one day and you're going to find that you've walked away from the source of true life. When I look at the leaders that have walked away, when I look at the churches that I've walked away, I look at myself and I say, only but by the grace of God will I not walk away. But guess what? You are God's grace to me to keep me from walking away. And here's the reality. What you lose staying at home is far worse than what you gain by playing it safe. That's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. And I forget when I was on sabbatical and we were at home and we got these rocking chairs. We got two rocking chairs. Me and my wife got these rocking chairs. I know I look young, but I'm getting old. I got my oldest is a 21 year old. She's married. So I know I look young. Black don't crack. That's what they say. And we're in our rocking chairs, and we turn the service on. And as we're watching the service via live stream, I start kind of doing like this. And I'm just rocking, just enjoying that chair. And then I'm looking at my family on the couch, and they start doing like this. And I just remember like, and I just remember going like this, whoo, no, no. And I got up out of my chair, and I shook myself off, and I looked at my family. I said, y'all get up off that couch. Get up off that couch, brush your teeth, comb your hair, get your Bible, and let's get in the car. Because our church is open and we go going to church. I am that close, but by the grace of God, from falling away into apostasy myself. And I know some of the parts of this passage were difficult and hard. I remember I had somebody come to me and say, hey, Pastor Ray, that felt kind of like fire and brimstone. And you know what I told him? I said, I'm just a messenger. I just preached the text. And God in his wisdom believes that a good motivator for us to remain connected so that we don't lose him is verses 26 to 31. The fury of God is coming if you walk away from the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So there's three things that I'm going to ask you guys to do at South Bay, okay? Here's the first one. I'm asking that you examine your heart. Really, those of you who are here with us today, those of you who are listening online, ask God the Holy Spirit to really reveal your true motivations for why you're not coming out. Some of them, again, they are legitimate. I want to affirm every legitimate reason why. Those of you who are not here are here, and you're still a part of the South Bay Community Church family. But as I learned from my own church, there are some that are not here for reasons that are not legitimate. Second, 
I want you to start fighting to get back here. I want you as a family, as a single individual, to start strategizing on what it looks like for you to get back to church. There was a family at our church, and they have three boys, little, little, little guys. So they are busy. And we sat down with, with their family. We said, hey, you guys need to start coming back to church. And so they talked, and the husband came. And what we told the, some of our families is this, look, why don't one of you come every week and just switch off as a family? Why don't the husband come one week and then the wife come the next week? And then you guys babysit the kids. Well, they did that. And this one brother came and he came after almost a year. And he said, when I walked in, I did not realize the gravity of what it meant for me to be around God's people and how it fed my soul. And after service, he came to us with tears in his eyes. And he said, thank you, pastor, for compelling us to come back. And then he went home. And he told his wife, he said, honey, I'm telling you right now, you just don't understand. And she was like, oh, come on, stop it. It's been, come on, it ain't that serious. She said, he said, I want you to come back. So then she came back the next week. After service, she came up to me. And she said, Pastor Ray, I've neglected the reality of what's so good for my soul. And she just broke down in tears and said, I gained so much being here with God's people. And then the next week, you know what? They whole family was there with their kids and everything. And we didn't care. Come out. Come out. Lastly, I'm going to ask you to step into Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, obey your leaders. Submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It's the same author here in Hebrews. And I'm going to give you the same admonition. Wherever God leads the leadership here at South Bay with respect to how you guys are to move forward and gathering again, obey them. Obey them. I'm, we're not doing this stuff for the health of our own souls. Really, we're not. We're doing it because we care for the health of your souls. They care for your souls. So whatever plan South Bay comes up with, I want you to just with joy, don't groan, don't grumble, make it a pleasure for the leadership and just step into God's obedience by obeying them. And I guarantee you this, you will flourish. You will flourish. You will flourish. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that by your grace, you would speak to every individual, Lord God, in this room. Help them to come to see and know the wonderful promise that you have. That God, it is in being obedient to gathering with your people. That they will gain more intimacy. God, that they will be held fast to the reality of the goodness of what they have come to know in Jesus. And they will be stirred up to love and good works. What wonderful promises those are. And God, those can only be accomplished being with God's people physically. So God, I pray, as I prayed before, will you spark a revival? Will you cause, Lord God, for this church to see the primacy of church gathering more than it ever has in its history? And that, Lord God, you would flood, Lord God, people to this place, that they might gain the wonder and the beauty and the gift that the church is. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.